All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing Spinning the One and Twos. Today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's Get a Dose, and we are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios, 877-37-GRIND. All right, so, yeah, that's my thoughts on the uh, Dame situation. I know we've got Gerald Glenn checking in and said it won't happen, but Dame and Edwards would be dynamic. And I'm pretty sure he's talking about Edwards from Minnesota. But I think, Gerald, to be honest with you, I think Dame and Scoot could be dynamic. But, I mean, I and yeah, I don't think Minnesota – it's not in the – I don't think that would make sense for them to do that, what they would have to give up to get them. I mean, and this really just comes down to are the Trailblazers really trying to do what's best for Portland or are they trying to accommodate Dane? And I bet you the best answer for them, they would like to have do a little bit of both. But the reality is the one team that they are – that is reported Dane wants to go to – They've got the least assets. I mean, I, I guarantee you Miami, Pat Riley and upper management has been working the phones for the last week and a half, two weeks, trying to find a partner, trying to find to bring in other teams to give them assets to pull this off because they just can't do it solo. They don't. I mean, hell, they lost two of their key. They lost two guys of free agency uh, just themselves off of this finals run team, Eastern Conference champion team. So to me. I think when you start to speculate, it really just comes down to really how the Portland front office is trying to handle this. If they really say we need to think about Portland as the best offer available, and if Michelle Shelburne is correct and in his thoughts, if the Spurs want it, because it takes them to want to play, they've got the best packages that they can offer out of anybody. And that just comes from, and even if you mix in the cat space, I mean, plus the future picks, what that's just the reality of it is. But, um, and then I've heard before we move on to this, I've also heard reports this morning that this is not going to happen anytime soon. And if that tells me that's the case, then that lets me know Portland is not really working with Dame and his people to try to accommodate him. And if you really want to be technical about it, most people think Portland don't owe Dame anything. They've already gave him a fat-ass contract. 877-37-GRIND. Okay, speaking of free agencies, other things, sticking here real quick with the hometown, uh, Trey Jones uh, signed a new two-year extension with the Spurs at $20 million. When you say that, it almost feels like that's crack prices in today's NBA. If you look at all the money that's been shelled out, and I ain't just talking about the superstars. I'm talking about just role players been getting paid, but – $20 million for two years. I mean, me personally, if you look at the other NBA salaries now, I think that, you know, the Spurs always, like, they always get guys like that to take less money than what the market is really saying they should take, especially if they want to be down here. I think in Trey's situation, um, he has, due to the fact of the lack of Spurs visibility on national TV, NBA TV. He hasn't been able to get that many attention and buzz and eyes on him. Now you got scouts scouting all the time, but he hasn't really been able to really showcase his talent. And I don't think it's a small enough sample size to see really for him to pretty much generate a real market for him. 
So in a way, I can see why the Spurs were able to get him that cheap because, again, it's like, hey, we're going to give you $20 million. If you look at where Trey came from and you're looking at his process and where it's been the last few years, he's not really in the position to turn down $20 million for that. Because any other where he would go sign, people would get – I mean, Brown from the, the, the champion Nuggets that just signed and left – with uh, he signed with the Lakers, right? Who did no? Where did Brown go uh, from the uh, World Champion Denver Nuggets? If you look at him, he play, his salary last year was for six million dollars. So if you even if there was a market for Trey, I feel like Trey's salary would probably you would be able to get him for about three million. Four million five, just based off of the unknown and still developing. I think the Spurs rewarded him for his work in the organization and how much they've seen him mature and grow under this system. And they've rewarded him with a two year contract extension at 20 million total. That's still cheap, though. They still got him dirt cheap. And I do believe if everything goes right and this team does take that next step and Wimby's a guy that can lead, I do think it's very possible Trey Jones is going to outplay that contract. Probably maybe not until the final year of it, but he's going to outplay. The, the point I'm trying to get to, they got him for cheap. Regardless of what you think of him, he hasn't shown. We, I don't think he's the point guard of the future. If you look at these NBA salaries, they got him for cheap, and they always find a way for the last 20 to 25 years to pull the, the do stuff like that. You got to give them credit. However they do it, they do it, especially to the guys that want to be here. Now, speaking of the Spurs, Draymond Green was doing what Paul George's podcast over the last few days. And the topic of Wimby came up and Draymond Green had an interesting take in regards to the opposite. You know, there's been a lot of love for the last month or so, two months for a while for Wimby. And it's hard to press to see people that, you know, speak a little negatively or have any negative things or just about the situation that he finds himself in. But Draymond Green had some interesting thoughts about how he feels he's being set up for failure. In the beginning, it's got to be some type of struggle, just his transition in, into this game. Like, I don't think his trajectory is going to be this. Yeah, I don't think that. From he, day one. I think people are setting him up for failure. Like, oh, he's going to be an all-star next year. Like, man, it's hard in this mm -hmm. NBA. You said that? Yeah, it's hard to become an all-star in this Dang. league. Now, if he do it, like, God be with him. Yeah. But to, to say, like, he's going to be an all-star next year as if he don't have to figure this game out, I don't really buy that. I think he will be special, but an all-star next year, I think that's a bit much. But I'm going to tell you what I think um, separates him from most and that will make him pretty special in its own right, like separate from anything else that he could do. Him as a rim protector. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That is what I think most people aren't talking about. Right. And I actually think that's what separates him. Um, I definitely agree with the last part of that a little bit, um, because that I, and I'll explain to you why I agree upon that and what expectations, but basically no matter how you slice it up or put it or put deodorant on it, I mean, Draymond and Paul George is pretty much co-signing for what he's saying, um, is throwing some cold water on the Wimby train hype. And pretty much, I, I think, you know, 
don't know Draymond personally, um, has followed his career pretty closely. Um, but I've, there's enough evidence out there about Draymond in regards to how he views certain things. And, and Draymond is a guy that takes a lot of things personal, I think, on the court and off the court. You've seen him get into it with the media, the uh, Steve, the Skip Bayless of the world, the Stephen A's of the world. You've seen him go at, you know, um, pretty much uh, Kendrick Perkins uh, from things from Kendrick, Kendrick Perkins being critical of him a few years ago. So he pays attention and he it, things bother him and he wears his emotions, of course, on and off the court on his uh, on his sleeve, on his shoulder, whatever. With that said, what I'm saying is part of it, I understand where he's coming from, but part of it has a sense of like when you come from playing basketball at Michigan State as Draymond did and you come under Tom Izzo and you and you really were not like you know this oh Draymond is going to be this mix I mean pretty much you got to give credit to Golden State scouting department because they had a vision for him and, and they went and got him but Draymond has also started his career that way and then also he's found himself in the middle of a dynasty run with the Golden State Warriors playing alongside the greatest shooter we've seen in all time and one arguably one of the best basketball players we've seen in one time. And then arguably he's playing with the second, third best shooter we've seen all time in Clay. So as they're winning these championships, oh, by the way, Kevin Durant comes in, a free agent, by the way, that he recruited in the parking lot, but then called him a female dog a year later on national television. He's also had to not get his credit for being part of this. It's always, well, Draymond, yeah, he, he's only like that because he plays with Steph and Clay. So really the human part of it feels like, you know, if I can't even get any love and I've got three rings, okay, well, actually, they have four, right? Yeah, I think they got four rings now. Yeah, I got four titles this guy that's playing in this France League hype. Let me let me pour some cold water. Part of that human in nature is what comes up. Now, I don't think that's all where the place that Draymond was coming from, from his place in his heart. I don't think he was just totally hating on Wimby, but I would like to think a percentage of it paid a little bit in that. Now, that's also the part of Pops acknowledged it. Everybody like he is going to get tested because of all this hype. Because like, oh, this is the best one since LeBron. Well, we know what LeBron. Like, okay, it's just what, and I think he understands that. Speaking of Wemby's, you know, he's prepared for that. But when you say like he's setting up for failure, I mean, it just comes down to the basketball minds, man. If you're going to be realistic about things, the, the, I think out of everything he said, the one thing that I do agree with, and I've even been thinking about that, is his impact on defensive side of the ball you know i've been preaching about the whole thing with san antonio where they've had to get guys that want to play defense because they went through a stretch post the whole Kawhi debacle that they just got guys that just don't want to play defense and it's hard for me to believe that coach that coach pop has just forgot how to coach defense all of a sudden it just hasn't gone through so they finally when you start drafting guys like sohan you know even a Vassell, you're talking about now with mb the the guy that they drafted in the second round you know this year they the guys that really have the stature and want to play defense so the turnaround of that part is starting i think with wimby because honestly i don't even though he has the best i don't anticipate him winning rookie of the year 
you know, I think that's going to go to a Scoot or it's going to go to a Brandon Miller because I think, you know, again, he's going to play. I mean, I understand Pop said we're going to let Victor be Victor, but he's going to play in more of a control system than those other guys. That's my opinion. Even if the system's catered to him, it doesn't matter. It's going to be some type of more of a structured system than what Brandon Miller and Scoot's going to play under. Number two, that's the reason why I'm not really sold he's going to win rookie of the year. And number two, I do think his impact on defensively because of his size and the rim protector and the rebounding, I think that I, it wouldn't be a shock to me in his rookie year at the age of 19, this is a young man that makes maybe second team. It might not be first team, but it possibly could be, but at least second team all defense, you know, uh, because of his size. And stature. So I do agree with Draymond saying that, hey, the truth of it is not too many people are talking about the impact of what he can have on the defensive side of the ball. And that's what, you know, we'll see. They play the Lakers tonight. They won their first uh, summer league game in Sacktown over there. Um, they played Charlotte, right? And they beat the brakes out of Charlotte. I didn't get a chance to watch any of that. But they do have the Lakers tonight. And then on Friday, I think it is, is when Wimby makes his debut uh, Friday. Um, and that's going to be against in that against Henderson on Friday, who, who is that? Is that against Miller or Scoot? One of the two that he makes his debut on Friday. But the Spurs are back at you in the summer league uh, tonight against L.A. And then Wimby will finally get to see him on the court in an NBA setting uh, with the Spurs uniform on for the first time on Friday. 877-37-GRIND. Also, some other NBA news. Speaking of Draymond, he got four years, $100 million from Golden State to stay. He told you he was staying, Jonas, unless he was going to L.A. Um, he took a little bit less than what he made. I, I think it was one of those that they knew that they had to bring him in at a lesser salary. It's not really by much. It's about a million and a half, two million less he's making. But I think Draymond just knew that, hey, it, it means something when you can retire um, and you're in a dynasty. You're, you're talking about going to go down as one of the dynasties out of all the ones we talk about, the Bulls, the Celtics, the Lakers. Spurs, you know, you want to finish in that uniform, and I think that played a big part of it. And again, I think he understands that he feels by removing Jordan Poole. I mean, the way I look at it going forward, and I probably will be more critical of Golden State than I've had over the years next year because the way I look at it, as much love I got for Steve Kerr, I still say, well, the evidence y'all didn't show me and fan bases in the media, y'all, Jordan Poole was a problem. That's really what it shows to me. I mean, you think about it. Draymond, his negotiation didn't go that long. It didn't take that much. They Obviously, they wanted him, but they knew the first piece they had to get Jordan Poole out of here. So, really, and another thing in that same, I, I didn't know it was the Paul George podcast, but we didn't play it. But the one thing I know that came out of that podcast, too, is that Draymond thinks that Chris Paul is going to be the key that unlocks uh, my man uh, Banga. Kabanga, right? Kaminga? Kaminga. Kabanga, Kaminga, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but at the end of the day, we'll see. So, it, to me, I knew he wasn't going anywhere, especially like in Sacramento, he wasn't going anywhere. Uh, Derek Rose, I see Memphis working. Uh, Derek, they bring Derek Rose into Memphis. Um, we understand the situation with Brooks. He signed with Houston, right? And, and to God, per look, reports, yeah. And look how much that contract was. I mean, there was a lot of people thinking, oh, you know, this antics with Brooks, he's not going to get paid. Nobody's going to touch him. This and this and this. What was it, like $126 million, 140 or something like that? It was a lot. It was like 100 or something like that. 
80 million. 80 million? Four year, 80 million. Mm-hmm. That's still a lot for Brooks. Four years for 80. That's 24 role play for a, for a worker B. That's a that, uh, Keldon Johnson contract. 20 million a year. But you know what? I could still, but Keldon, even though he might not have shown it all, but Keldon's upside is is more than Dylan Brooks. Brooks is a deep, in my opinion, Brooks can score, but he's not a guy you're going to rely on scoring. Number two, he's a guy that is a, he's he's more skilled, I would say, but still, he's a Ron Artest. He's a dirty player. He's a, he's a guy that's an enforcer if this was in hockey. So and he's a defensive guy. He will nag you and play. I'll give him that. But even with Keldon, I think if you talk about comparing those two salaries. I think Keldon would be even more sense to where his upside is a little bit more than even Dylan Brooks, in my opinion. But the bottom line, brother got paid. A lot of these cats are getting paid. I'm talking about middle of the road players. They show contracts this time ten years ago. I think back in the when Alonzo Morning signed a, a contract extension. Man, it is crazy compared to where it is now. A four-year extension back then was $28 million total. Come on. 877-37-GRIND. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Are you ready for a real cocktail? Then crack open a great tasting Zing Zang ready to drink cocktail, like our Bloody Mary with vodka in a can. It's full strength with 9% alcohol and America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Or try our mango margarita crafted with silver tequila and real mango puree. Unlike those hard seltzers, each can is made with premium spirits and real ingredients, just like a bartender made it for you. Zing Zang, always bold, always ready. Go to zingzang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Official sponsor of the Sports Grind. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing, spinning the one and twos, 877-37-GRIND is your number. All right, and this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pendleton Whiskey. 
All right, Pendleton Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pendleton Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and a rich, complex flavor. Keep in mind, Pendleton Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and its official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour, which is the PBR Velocity Tour. And it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind and an official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 877-37-GRIND. Okay. Um, yeah, a couple other notes. Um, Derek Rose going into Memphis. I mean, they're trying to change the culture. Uh, they, they're trying to get a well, – let, let me rephrase that because I, mean, I think that gets thrown around loosely about changing the culture. They're trying to pretty much add some veterans to an immature locker room, okay, to be more specific. That's what they're doing. They're trying to get somebody that's a veteran that's been through some adversity, everybody knows Derrick Rose has, in that locker room to be in Jaws' ear, to try to lead by example. There was another veteran, I think, that Memphis signed to that kind of went by. Who else did they get? Well, they've got Desmond Bain, and, of course, they've acquired Marcus Smart in that trade There you Boston. go. That, that's who I wanted to touch on, Marcus Smart, which which totally forgot about that. But like I told you all about that trade, I you know, I got a lot of respect uh, from uh, Brad Stevens from his time at Butler. I mean, he's done a good job even his first years of their coaching, then move up to the front office. But again, sometimes guys in suits that can misread a room and misread a locker room, and sometimes I'm wondering if they didn't just take the heart and soul out of their locker room in Marcus Smart. But Sticking back to Memphis, yeah, Market Smart and Derrick Rose. That's that's a perfect culture thing in that locker room. That it's a perfect start to try to get some veteran leadership in there in a very immature locker room. And and really, I would like to know, which I I would really like to know how much effort did they really make to try to resign Brooks? You know, they they didn't make it. They they, they came out and said they weren't. Oh, okay. They, I didn't they see flat that. Flat out said. I mean, this was pretty much right at the end of the season. They had no intentions on bringing him back. Wow. Um. He his time went in Memphis was done. And I had a feeling that they were blaming because to me again that goes to me as the front office and ownership again kind of making excuses for Ja and thinking that Brooks is this guy that's a bad influence on the team and on Ja. Th- that's my opinion. Because I think, you know, Brooks, even though he rubs me the wrong way and I kept coming in here all the time saying, hey, you ain't got to bully your way out of the Western Conference. I mean, they were trying to do a lot of that. But he did give him a lot of his blood, sweat, and tears on the court. I mean, he did. I mean, to sit there and just say, hey, we have no intentions to bring him back and he's young and he's somebody that came up in the system. I think that is kind of making him a scapegoat. And I get it. All the money and everything is invested in the jaw and he's the face of the franchise. But again, it's like, okay, y'all cleared out the problem. What's going to be the excuse now? But I do like the additions of Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart. I just don't know. If that's not, speaking of Marcus Smart, going to come back and bite Boston in the ass, which it looks like Boston, from everything I'm hearing, it's looked like they're really going to try to offer Tatum to make this work. And and to me, <laughs> you're going to have two guys in Tatum and Brown that are going to be making a lot of money that pretty much, I mean, you can't say they haven't came close to getting hardware, but it's going to take more than them too. But that that's still another – like the Dame situation is overshadowing everything, rightfully so. 
and we've had Wimba mania, but that's one situation that a lot of people are not talking about. Besides Wimby's defense, Draymond, I would say a lot of things people ain't talking about is this pickle that I believe Boston is still in and the choice between Brown and the type of money. Keep in mind, man, out of this new CBA that went in effect of July 1st, this is a whole different type of ball game when we talk about luxury tax that's coming down with the NBA. And that's why some of these decisions are being made. 877-37-GRIND. All right, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit and go into the National Football League um, in regards to some news that's coming out of the National Football League. First of all, with your Dallas Cowboys, okay, it has come out today that Jerry Jones – has inked a deal with Netflix for a doco series, documentary. Okay, I've heard things like, oh, this is Jerry's last dance. We've heard this fifty million close to fifty million dollars. Okay. Um I'll tell you this. Unlike any other sport, and I've said this take before over the years. I know I have. Like any other sport, NBA, baseball, hockey, NFL is the one sport that out of 32 head coaches and 32 GMs, it is well known. The first thing, everybody has different philosophies. Everybody's not a real head coach. Not everybody's a real leader of men. But you know, if you poll 32 coaches and you poll 32 GMs and they would tell you what's the number one thing, the number one goal that you want to do with your team this year. And you know, probably I would say it would land in the top three for sure. But be on number one list of most teams. You know what they would tell you? If you see, see, listen to what I'm saying. If you poll 32 coaches and 32 GMs, they would tell you it would it would kind of go more. I would say 60% of them would end up in the top two. They would tell you, uh, first thing we want to do is eliminate distractions. If you are a team that is trying to win a Super Bowl and you are really trying to, and look, I get it. When you're a quote-unquote America's team, when you have that star there's going to be a lot that comes with it. I get that, man. I'm Nobody's breaking news with that. But when you are trying to be a team that is built or should be on the cusp or is built and trying to compete to get to a conference championship game minimum or a Super Bowl, you want to eliminate distractions. I don't understand because, first of all, props to Jerry because, I mean, I couldn't stand Jerry Jones. But as I got older and especially getting into more adulthood and business and trying to run your own business and stuff like that, I gained more respect from way more than what is in high school. I couldn't stand him in high school and everything. That was before I became a man. Might not still always be a man. I still might be a Toys R Us kid. But anyway, my point being I had more, I've grown more respect for him. So props to him on that. I'll be watching. But can you imagine? And that's why I think it, 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 it kind of gets flown under the radar. Do you understand how not normal that is? And what I say by that is like, that is something that most other 31 NFL teams do not have to deal with. I'm talking about the players. I'm talking about the coach, the GM, and the player. Now, his GM is the son, so whatever. You know, it's in the DNA. But from the coach standpoint, the players and the assistant coaches, having an owner 
announce and do a th- a documentary worth fifty million dollars. So that lets you know it's going to be a blowout production. Netflix is going to put this is going to be in depth, and it's probably with that kind of money they're going to go back from the Jerry to Jerry old slick talking oil slick salesman Jerry too. They've got to if it's going to be a real documentary. You know what else we could pop up in this documentary? Having to address oh that picture. That picture that surfaced about a year ago when he was basically in the segregation. So what happens when that picture surfaces in the documentary? And this has happened in real time. Whenever, whether this comes out in the summer, whether it comes out during the season, whatever, players going to be asked about it. Somebody's going to be asked about what do you think about Jerry? Just think about the situation. And that's the reason why, you know, maybe that's the reason why I grade Dak on the curve so much. And I'm harping on the coaching and the culture because I understand things that come with Dallas and the things that way Jerry does things. It is hard to operate under them circumstances. That is very unnormal for any professional owner or any, especially some like Jerry's old money. Like Jerry's not one of these new tech dudes. Jerry's not one of these new dudes that are in their 30s and 35 that just got wealth, sold some tech business, made it in real estate, like the guy from that owns the Suns now. Jerry's old money. So when you say that you're old money, it's like it's very, very unusual for those type of owners that are old money that come from that generation that come that's been owners for 30 years, 25 years. It's hard to fathom there's other owners, especially in the National Football League, that partake in stuff like this. I mean, and it just goes back with the territory. So when you sit there and go frustrated with your Dallas Cowboys, whether it's Dak and the interceptions, whether it's Mike McCarthy, whether it's the team, whether it's whatever the understand and i don't think i'm breaking news and i think for the most educated dallas fans and football fans understand this already understand that you are dealing with a lot to try to be unsuccessful with the way jerry markets this team and himself it, it he does when you're preaching as a coach and as a gym we want to eliminate distractions i mean that's what you're telling the players when they broke from many camps you tell them hey keep it up going keep it, the good coaches the good staff the good organization hey keep doing whatever stay safe do what don't become a distraction keep your nose clean don't get in the news don't be trending it's a lot of stuff that goes on in dallas it's everything except about really winning football games on the business side, I understand what Jerry and think about this. And I'll leave it, I'll end it on this note. Jerry needs another fifty million dollars. Like I need like when it's like this. I can go to a store and they can ring me up and it can be eight it can be eight oh one. Eight dollars and one penny. Eight dollars and four cents. And I'll tell you straight, I'll ask the register what you got four pennies. If they say, no, I really don't like them. Most people tell you, I got to go ahead. I hate the ones say, no, I really don't. They look at me. I'm like, you know what? I'll walk back out to the car and get the change because I don't want all that change. So Jerry needs another 50 million. Like I need another copper penny or nickels in my ashtray in the car. Come on, man. And think about that. What did Jerry need doing 50 million? This is something that this is something you want to save after you say, hey, I did it my way for the people to say I couldn't do it without Jimmy. 
when he's when he's talking to Terry Bradshaw, they got to get somebody's ass out of there besides Terry, the one that talks and presents the Super Bowl or whoever. When I'm talking to Jim Nance or Terry Bradshaw and I'm holding that trophy and I say, hey, people that thought we couldn't do it, people doubted me, but we're back on top. We're the boys. America, when you do, then let's talk about doing the Netflix documentary for 50 million. Not when there's there's question marks swirling around the head coach. You didn't threw Kellen Moore out of, under the bus. I mean, it's Kellen's fault. Everybody's got to tweak this offense when I think this offense could take a moon. It might not be a Michael Jackson 25th anniversary Motown Records moonwalk, but it's going to be a little moonwalk for this offense. Be prepared for that, and it's going to be more pressure on the defense to perform like they did last year to keep this team in some ball games. So you got all this stuff going on. But let's go and drop the documentary from the owner. Come on. Come on. When I saw that, I'm like, wow, okay. I'm like, damn, Netflix still. First thing, I was like, Netflix still handing out money. They still handing out money. Writers on strike in Hollywood. The actors thinking about joining the picket line with the strike, but Netflix still making it rain. Okay. Hell, I'll sell mine for about 500000 to Netflix. They want my story. We can just make it regional. But anyway, $50 million, distraction. Good luck, Dallas. I mean, it, it's just one, and that's the reason why it always comes back to coaching in certain states, and that's why I grade Dak on the curve. That's why I tell you, Dak with Andy Reid, Super Bowl. Dak with Kyle Shanahan, Super Bowl. Dak with, who else I want to say? Sean Payton, Super Bowl. Dak with McVeigh, Super Bowl. It's 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 the culture and the coaching and everything that goes around it. Fifty million dollar documentary on the owner, not on the team. Not on Cowboys, but on Jerry Jones. What do you got? Well, it is actually it's it's Jerry Jones and the '90s Cowboys. Um, so it's gonna be and it, so it's not gonna be highlighting on just looking at Jerry Jones. The odds of the picture surfacing in it, I think, are gonna be very small. What we do know is it's going to feature um, previously unseen interviews with Aikman and Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin. Um, but it's gonna be you know kind of like they're saying the Last Dance. Uh, NFL Films is going to get a portion of that fifty million. Of course, the Dallas Cowboys for the rights um, and the you know the, the usage of Jerry Jones and and, and the and Cowboys then, film in that. Uh, my, so there's going to be some in there, but my, it's not just on Jerry my, Jones, my, but it's on him and the '90s my, Cowboys. My, my take stays the same. Still a distraction. Still not at the right time. And people want to talk about the last dance. Do you understand how long it was? Think about that. What, 20, 25 years after that was the team was assembled, then they did it? I mean, I know you can say about the 90s Cowboys. That's fine. But at the end of the day, this current Cowboy, like, no. It, it, I, my take is still the same. I don't care if it's 70% about Michael Irvin, 80% Cowboys, and 20% Jerry or the 90s. That is a distraction. Headlines today don't say Cowboys. It doesn't say Netflix. It says Jerry Jones inks $50 million Netflix deal. It That's the headline. 
I don't even damn what the content in regardless in it. The bottom line is this isn't normal. This is not normal for a team. Like if you, it, this is why it's like, you know, th this, I can imagine being a Dallas Cowboy fan. I really couldn't because this is the part that diehard Dallas fan has got to drive you crazy because it's like everything, any, everything why Jerry is still breathing on this earth, however much time we, he has left, everything should be about how am I get like, to me, that's more now that you told me what's in it. That's more of living in the past. Like, look, man, the nineties Cowboys is over. Don't you understand? That's the brunt of jokes. That's what I would tell Jerry. Don't you understand that everything this team, every team you've assembled has compared? Well, they haven't done this since the 90s. That's even worse. Like that to me is sending a message. Stop living in the past. Like if, if you want to win another one and then basically tell the real parallel of how it was owning the Cowboys or how it was every day to day dealing with Michael Irvin. And, and to be honest with you, as much coverage as that team, that particular era gotten and, and you know, from – NFL network to the stories. What is it that they're going to be? That's why I tell you this is going to be a lot, Jerry Jones, because what more can they really tell you about that time in the 90s that we don't know about yet? We know about the White House. We know about the house where all the dudes would take their 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 their, their, their side pieces. We know about all that. We know about Mike walking in basically in the courtroom looking like Huggy Bear with sunshades and a mink fur coat on facing charges. With sugar booger residue still on his nose. We know about all that. This is ego, man. I'm telling you, billionaires right now, the time and era that we're living in amongst billionaires, especially old money billionaires, it is so much of an egotistical thing about what can I do to glorify myself, to put me up. You bought everything. You got money. There's nothing you can sit there and say, well, how much is that? You have everything that you can get, you can want. It's about how can I bring, what can I do that nobody else, I know what I'll do. I'll do a documentary. I'll broker a deal with Netflix. That's something Robert Kraft hasn't done yet. That's something the Rooney family hasn't done yet. I'll do that. It's still about Jerry. Man. You like to think everything that's coming from the front office is about winning championships. Not so much about self-absorption and all this kind of stuff and accolades, living in the past, and basically the money. It's it, it just, it's hard. It would I couldn't imagine being a Cowboy fan. Thank God. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We're broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this... It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York.
Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. 